Studio. This is the Unnerved Banter. Welcome back to episode two of the Unnerved Banter. My name is Chris Fricky, and I'll be joined again by my friend Jeremiah Harlow for this episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the first banter. Uh, hopefully you enjoy this format, this discussion format, where we talk about the strange, mysterious, and unnerving. Today we're going to be talking about the Somerton Man. If you haven't heard of the Somerton Man before, there's tons and tons of information online about him. And we just kind of go over it, uh, an overview, if you will, of what happened and certain aspects of it, especially new developments in the case and that they've actually matched a name to the Somerton Man. So we're going to jump into that, whether you know who it is or not, hopefully you enjoy this. And we also talk about baby seal attacks. So that's a little interesting also. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. We're going to continue to have our story format as well. Every other week we have a story and followed with a banter. So yeah, without further ado, here is episode two of the Unnerved Banter. All right, welcome back to the Unnerved Banter. Hopefully you guys are doing well. I am joined here by Mr. Jeremiah Harlow. How are you, Jeremiah? I'm doing pretty good, Chris. How about yourself? I am just dandy, just dandy fine. We are going to be talking about an interesting story I'm sure no one's talked about before. I'm pretty sure we've discovered it, really. Yeah, actually, I think you're right. Yeah, it's a pretty big deal. Now, we... uh, this is something that's been covered by a ton of people, but we just wanted to add our little little piece to it. Uh, yeah, if you haven't heard of the Somerton Man before, it's a very fascinating case. And as of recent, in the past year, last December, last fall, last late last year, some new developments have come to head on it. So yeah, it's something we wanted to tackle and talk about and talk about the unnerving aspect of it, the Somerton Man. So before we started recording, we we had both heard about the Somerton Man a while back. Um, years ago. Years ago, yeah. But some new developments have come to head, like I said. And it's, yeah, it's a very fascinating topic. So Jeremiah, do you want to set the scene? Do you want to start us off? Who is the Somerton Man? Sure, yeah. So, I mean, that question up until not too long ago was you know was was actually one that didn't necessarily have an answer um the somerton man named somerton man after somerton beach where he was discovered dead on november 31st in 1948 this gentleman was found on the beach slumped over in a nice suit with nice shoes by some passers-by, a couple aspiring and future jockeys were riding their horses there that morning, and they saw him, discovered that he wasn't breathing, uh, was reported dead. The As the tale goes, I mean, it's pretty well documented, it, extremely well documented, actually. Um, 
and you know we we kind of discussed that we're not gonna try and break down this entire story it's massive uh right the there's Summerton, a lot on this yeah the Summerton man or as is most recently discovered uh Carl Webb or Charles Webb as he went went by for most of his life it's incredible the whole story is super incredible there's a lot of great resources out there as to the years and years of developments on this story uh professional and amateur sleuths trying to discover what he was all about a lot of mysterious circumstances surrounding his finding not just that he was dead on the beach but uh the way that he had died was mysterious people thought poison no signs of aggression but then no poison was discovered in his system the tags were all gone off of his suit um he had no identification whatsoever uh no one could identify the man himself for years you know no one in the area reported that a family member or coworker was missing i mean just crazy that there's there is codes involved there are paper trails there are I mean, just so so many aspects of this mystery. It, it's you could yeah. do, and people have done ten podcasts on just this individual. Um, and for so many years, people thought maybe he was a spy, maybe you know he was into something nefarious and and got you know poisoned and killed. Um, but then recently, due to the development of DNA technologies and a couple other more modern sophisticated methods of identifying people um and then also the dna databases there's uh, an individual called professor derek abbott and then another um named colleen fitzpatrick that kind of forefronted along with quite a few other individuals um that th- they basically put this all together and discovered that most likely he is this Charles Webb and the evidence is near indisputable that I believe the the police uh, uh, since his body has actually been exhumed and they have yet to release an official statement right um, at least from what I've seen I don't know if you know any more about that Chris but I'm uh, not not as of recent that I know of they haven't come out and confirmed yet but yeah it's I, pr- people are pretty much yeah 99% sure this is who it is but yeah. even though it's not officially announced yet by the police but yep right down to family photos including the man oh yeah from years yeah. and years before um, yeah. that the the individuals in possession of the family photos didn't even know that was him until recently they they didn't I mean as you do with really old family photos you know you kind of forget who all the people are in them with distant cousins and distant nieces and nephews and even maybe just a friend that was part of the photo that day um it's a little more tricky when you don't have facebook it's true <laughs> facebook really if they had had facebook back then yeah if only um, they had they they may have had myspace i don't know they probably did i think it was just coming about in 1948 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the, the early days of myspace yeah but yeah it's a fascinating story and it's full of mystery full of like i said a lot of things even that have yet to be really decoded and discovered there was actually a like a cipher discovered i think i'm saying that right and it has yet to my understanding been decoded nobody knows exactly what that was all about 
Um, right. His clothing was that that would have typically been worn and was uh, largely made in America, but this was in Australia, of course. So, man, just so many interesting, uh, mysterious, and unnerving aspects to the story that it, you know, it's just, it's incredible. And there's so much out there. Yeah, and that's a big overview of, of, you know, the whole case. Like Jared said, there's just so much here, and and we're just we're just kind of touching on on the highlights of stuff. And I think what really sparked, I think, the interest of everyone on this case is conspiracies. You know, oh, he must be a spy. You know, he cut all the tags are cut off his clothes. You know, there's no identification. I think too that that's that's a big part of it is conspiracies and who else could it be you know it must be a spy you know like you said the book that was discovered with a torn out piece uh he did they found a little piece of paper in his pocket and it said tomum should it was ripped out of a book they had then later discovered the book and it basically translates to uh the end or the finish what was on that little piece of paper but rather than taking a deep dive into all that happened we really were curious to talk about the possessions of what he had on him. And then in this suitcase, so after he was found, there was a suitcase turned in that was never claimed at the, oh shoot, I, at the local, I believe, train station. So, and, and it was presumed to be his. It just made sense. It was not claimed on the same day that he went missing, or not went missing, but, you know, would have been on the beach lying there. And then the clothes are the same size, tags ripped out, all of that just sort of lines up. And I just thought it was extremely interesting, you know, thinking about this individual that was so shrouded in mystery and everybody kind of let their mind run wild with, why did he have this piece of paper in his pocket? Why were the tags ripped off of his clothes? Why he had cigarettes in a packet that the brand of the packet itself was not the same brand as some of the cigarettes within the packet. And, you know, it's just people's brains kind of go crazy when they hear these little details and, you know, jump immediately to he was a spy or this, that, and the other. But it's just so interesting thinking, like, this is just a a guy, you know, and that's just sort of how humans are. We're kind of weird. And sometimes (laughs) I think, like, what if I what if I died somehow and it was a random day and I had random stuff in my pockets, you know, what would people put together from that? It it could be kind of wild. And, and so what they found in this suitcase was, was also interesting. And I thought it would be kind of an interesting conversation slash. It's something that really stood out to me in that even with the revelation of who he is and his family tree and even photos of him while he was still alive, there's still a chunk of time that nobody really knows what he was doing, and nobody really knows what the items in his suitcase were exactly used for. There's speculation and stuff, but to my understanding, um, at least from what you can get on the internet and from news sources, there's there's still no connection there. So he left his, his wife, uh, I believe she divorced him in... April of uh, 1947 they have paperwork for that but then he was found on the beach in November of 1948 so there's this period of time where no one knows what he was up to 
and nobody really knows ultimately where he even was. He could have been anywhere in the world during that time and been doing just about anything. And then the, the items that they found in his suitcase were kind of odd as well. One of the things people like to point out is that he didn't have any socks in there. So the pair of socks he had on apparently was the only pair that he had. But yeah, so there there's a bunch of stuff. There's dressing gown, cord, slippers, uh, pajamas, razor, a razor strop, shaving brush, toothbrush and toothpaste, soap dish, bath towel, four singlets, four underpants, six handkerchiefs, two ties, uh, one pair of macro brand Crusader cloth trousers with dry cleaning or laundry marks, one sport coat, yellow Pelico, Pelico coat shirt, one business shirt with the name tag gone, a scarf, uh, one front and one back stud, one brown bottom, a tin of tan boot polish, um, he had a laundry bag, a piece of light cord, two hangers, one glass dish, one teaspoon, one hairpin, three safety pins, one card of tan thread, um, eight large envelopes, one small envelope, six drafting pencils, two airmark stickers, one pair of scissors in a scabbard and bound with sticking plaster, a knife in a scabbard and bound with sticking plaster. And from what I understand, that knife was a kitchen knife that had been ground down to be more utilitarian. Um, a stencil brush, a small screwdriver, one pair of broken scissors, a cigarette lighter, 6D in cash. And then um, his shoes were very shiny. So they think, you know, maybe there was a polishing cloth or something. Um, there's no brush for the shoe polish. Um, there's no letters that were written. You know, there's the, the envelopes, the stamps, the pencils, but no actual written letters received or that he might have written. No kind of working clothes, you know, nothing that he would have worn while working. Yeah, that's kind of it. I mean, he has what he had on his person as well. But I thought it, it was extremely interesting thinking about this period of time where he was missing and what he might have been doing during that time and this is really what gets me and what's kind of you know potentially you know sticking to the theme unnerving or just just very curious and something that I'd love to know the answer to is who was he writing to what was he saying and then also where was he physically and what was he doing do you have any thoughts on that no, I'm trying to <laughs> cuz I'm I'm looking at the list of all of these knickknacks in his briefcase. If this is his briefcase, first off, I don't know. My brain goes all kinds of places cuz if I'm on my own, what would I need to survive? What things would I bring with me to survive? And these are definitely not things I would bring with me, <laughs> you know. Um but you know, some of the things uh but it's it's hard to place a lot of them like they're so random so to me it just looks like an, a junk drawer in a way i see some practical things for sure but a lot of these things just seem like just random junk in my opinion but hey i mean if you're traveling you know and i mean he's not from this area if you're just traveling around the country are these the items you would actually bring with you it's very strange obviously he's not a spy but before they discovered who he was was that conclusion that was come to because of the items in the suitcase? You know, I don't think it necessarily points to him being a spy. I 
the items are like you said it's kind of random you know it, it there are some people that have speculated especially with the the brush that was specifically kind of designed for stenciling um that he may have worked on a ship which would kind of align with a couple things his suit some of the thread different things um even his hairstyle was very american um so there's a lot of things that point to the fact that he might have been in the states for a time or at least gotten stuff from there which i guess could have been from individuals coming over from the states and then him buying the stuff off of them or getting it somehow but i do think it just raises a lot of questions and honestly in the speculation that i heard previous like you said we both had heard of this case for years and years before uh before they had discovered that he was actually uh this charles webb individual and connecting the family tree all that i didn't hear too much about the items uh being brought into consideration in a lot of what people were thinking not to say that it wasn't but um i think they're just very fascinating items and i think it's it's very curious and even though we do kind of know now who he was and some of the life that he lived i think these items still raise a lot of questions to me and i think it's i don't know i think it's just fascinating and and in some ways it's more mysterious to me now now that we know who he was and have context again the letters who was he writing to and yeah. You know, who who was writing back, if anybody was writing back. Maybe they were being used for work only, but then did he go missing from a job? And if so, was he using an alias? Because there's no record that has been found of him working anywhere during that time, at least under his actual name. So it just is really curious to me, and I feel that you can't necessarily rule out the fact that maybe he was contracted by somebody that he was using an alias to work for or something along those lines because just sort of lack of information during that time yeah i don't know it's it's just bizarre and it feels like the information that has been discovered doesn't answer a lot of these questions for me maybe it's just like what we all originally thought where you know he's got these tags ripped out of his clothes and he's got cigarettes that are not matching the package and all this that seems so mysterious but in reality it's just a guy that's living his life and honestly had gone through some hard times and that could just be the answer to all this as well you know it seems mysterious but maybe it's not at the same time, it doesn't rule out the possibility that it is. And mm-hmm. I just find it very interesting. I don't know that I'm ever going to come up with any answers, and maybe no one ever will. But this collection of items fascinates me. And part of it is just human nature. You know, I think if we could all look at our suitcase, so to speak, of life, we would be fascinated by what people choose to would keep. Would bring with them. Yeah. And choose to keep in their drunk drawer and... it's just kind of a study of human nature and of what we find important and I also think that it does leave the door open for some speculation as to what he did during that time and what these collection of items were used for interesting yeah so you're saying 
if we looked in someone's junk drawer, we could we could tell a lot about their life. Like my junk drawer it explains a lot about who I am as a person. Maybe exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah and might raise some really interesting questions, you know. But yeah, if this is his suitcase, there's a period of time that we do not know about this man that he went missing from his wife and family. And well, another crazy thought, he was never reported missing, for one. There's no documentation of him being reported missing. So in that period of time, if this is his suitcase, these items we look to to try to explain, like you said, what he was doing during that time. I mean, to me, it just looks like someone who's living out of a suitcase, literally, and has just collected a bunch of random items to me, it looks like he's kind of a nomadic fellow. Maybe he's just going from job to job and just escaping, you know, his marriage, you know, because he didn't really have a happy marriage. Ultimately, he was a really kind of depressed individual. Anyways, he was, yeah. you know. Oh, and, and just to clarify briefly, there's his wife actually had divorced him. Oh, okay. And there's there's paperwork for that in addition to documentation that she had written saying he was angry and could be basically he would get angry and um sometimes violent i don't i don't know that there's anything saying that he was abusive or anything but it wasn't a happy marriage and then she did divorce him so once he disappeared i don't know that they would or at least she would come looking but it but all, all i'm saying is it's not extremely odd that he did just sort of drop off the grid in that sense. It still does raise the question, why did no one know? But, yeah, there's there's potentially some explanation for that, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Right. I think something that's interesting, too, about this case, like, it's fascinated people for years and years and years. And now that we know who he is, was, rather, you know, a lot of work has gone into figuring out who this guy was. And it's incredible the amount of people who have gone missing and will unfortunately forever probably go missing and and people will never know what happened to them. You know, thanks to DNA, we're solving a lot of those cases where people went, what happened to them. It's really the the DNA database is really fascinating and it's almost daily we're getting news of you know, missing people being found. There's remains, but no one knows who it is. And now because of DNA testing, it's come so, so far, we're able to solve these cases, which is just incredible. So it's an exciting time for sure. Like cases like this are going to keep getting solved, but there's also a large amount of them that aren't going to be solved either, because I think there's just not as much interest too. I think this case had a lot of interest and I think it got a lot of attention in that kind of what led to it being solved. You know, it wasn't the police that solved it, you know? Yeah, not yet, at least. And I think without all the sleuths, uh, professional and private, all over the world that were so fascinated by it, it would have kind of just disappeared. Yep. You know, and it did happen in a time where there wasn't internet, there wasn't a global reach. And I had heard things saying that, you know, if it had happened today, there potentially would have been it would have been figured out right away almost because oh yeah the family being not in that same city i think in the town where he was originally i don't know if he was born there but where his family was at the time his ex-wife 
etc. All that was in their newspaper was a little blurb. I don't even think there was a picture included. So they probably didn't even know about it. Or maybe they heard about it as just the Somerton man, but it didn't click. So that, you know, is just the time that they were in. It was just a different time without so much exposure. But I think what's what's ultimately fascinating about it to me and, and a little bit unnerving is just the fact that, you know, he was a real guy. He had a real life. And because of his circumstances, everything about him, including the contents of his suitcase, you can see pictures of on the internet, you know? And without all that, he he would have just kind of been forgotten. You know, how many how many people have been found on the beach, you know, deceased over the years and no one ever will know their name? Yeah, it's super fascinating. And and like I said, um, this like we both said, this has been covered in depth. We just barely brush the surface of it. We'll leave in the show notes links to uh, some really good resources. There's a half hour uh, video on YouTube it's from ABC News in depth uh, and they there's a half hour video on it it's a great watch if you want to look more into this and I think JR you said that Astonishing Legends covered this too I'll leave their podcast in the in the show notes also if you really want to yeah. dive deep totally it's a fantastic listen highly recommend Astonishing Legends they, they've got a lot of really good content um, they do incredibly well-rounded deep dives into topics like this so they actually have two episodes that were done previous to the discovery and then a newer episode that they actually interview um the professor Derek abbott and colleen fitzpatrick if i remember correctly and uh, both or all three are are really deep really in depth and it's it's a great listen they talk about some of the technology that brought about this most recent discovery and the dna stuff but then it's cool to to listen to stuff or watch stuff on youtube if you're a more visual person or somewhere else that was done previous to the discovery and then watch other stuff or listen to other content that was done post discovery because you kind of get to see the years of speculation leading up to it and what people thought previous and then also now that the discovery is made um and you kind of get to see who he actually was in some in some ways um so yeah highly recommend looking into this case more it's really fascinating and i guess to sum it up then you know there there ultimately is is a man that was discovered mysteriously dead um back in 1948 and it has taken us all these years to uncover essentially who he was and it has been a global effort for a very long time there's also pictures of all this stuff online so if you're curious what he had in his suitcase there are tons of photos of it Uh, those are extremely interesting I'd recommend checking those out just to kind of get a visual uh, about what we're talking about here so that is that is the Somerton man or Charles Webb all right good stuff Jeremiah good job Chris I admire your investigative journalism 
I didn't look too deeply into it. <laughs> Mostly because, like we said, it's a super deep rabbit hole. So it is. Last episode, we did unnerving news. I guess we're going to try that again. I It's, it's kind of hard to find um, unnerving news on the daily, but I was able to find something that I, I think is somewhat unnerving. I mean, I again, I'm trying to picture myself in the person's situation, and I'd be pretty freaked out. I'd be unnerved, if you will. So the news headline says, Seal Attack. Hollywood actress Lulu Taylor mauled six times in a terrifying Jaws-like ordeal. The Raised by Wolves actress was bitten by the animal as she swam in the sea in Cape Town, South Africa. In an Instagram story, the actress revealed that she's now being treated with antibiotics and that seals have sharp teeth. (laughs) She posted a picture of her injured fingers, too. The seal was first spotted in the shallows before it latched onto a young boy. It could be seen entering the water before making a beeline for the youngster. Beachgoers rushed to his rescue before it turned on Lolo, Lulu. (laughs) Good job. You're doing great. (laughs) The terrifying moment was caught on camera by one witness. The seal nips at the youngster's heels as he tries to run away before attacking him in the waves. Several men were seen pushing the seal pup away before dragging the boy from the sea, and then the animal swam directly towards her, who was on her own further out at sea. She let out a shriek as she tried to fight off the animal. Several people rushed to help her before a man grabbed the animal and threw it back into the sea once everyone was out of the water. She said on Instagram stories that she was bitten six times and had to go to the hospital for treatment. She also included an image of the Jaws poster with a great white shark replaced by a seal. Oh, isn't that cute? She said the algae bloom that releases neurotoxins are to blame for the increase in seal attacks interesting hmm yeah it is interesting i just watched the video you sent me yeah what do you think of that it's pretty crazy i mean it's a it's a pretty small little seal you know as it far is as seals they, go. it's just a pup as they're called just but a pup. i i think you know i'll i'll play some of the audio um from the video um in fact i'll play that right now yeah it is a it is a little pup it's a little guy but they do have it sharp, is have sharp teeth you, as we just learned yeah have you ever seen seals teeth have like you should google that real quick um, oh i've seen them okay it reminds me of a dog's teeth like they're pretty big like they they're are. they look painful if if you were to get latched on by a seal even though it's a pup um uh, yeah it goes after the boy first and you know the adults wrestle the pup off and, and pull the kid away and then like i don't know probably like 10 seconds later like it's hauling after you know whoever it can latch on to and in the video tons of people are swimming away they get to shore and then this actress, she's just out there minding her own business, and then ah, she gets attacked. Everyone's 
blows out of proportion shark attacks you know yeah it's terrifying they're very rare but you know i'd never think of a seal you know attacking you yeah that is actually one of my fears is something grabbing me from under the water whether you're in a lake or when i was a kid in a deep pool sometimes even now in a deep pool gonna be honest but it is it is pretty scary i mean like you said i don't don't think of seals too often either but i have seen some images i'm specifically thinking of these ones of uh, leopard seals uh teeth with his mouth wide open yeah they're, they're vicious i mean think wolves like that's what it looks like and it is pretty scary so even a little one coming after you would be pretty terrifying especially in the water it's just i think that's part of the fear is that humans are not super (laughs) sleek in the water compared to any creature that is born and lives there so you're really pretty helpless even against a little uh pup like this so to be attacked in that environment is just scary no matter what whether it's a shark or a seal and i think it just goes to show you like they're wild animals you know whether it's a bison in Yellowstone or something or yeah. a seal pup in the ocean you you can't really predict what they're going to do because they're they're running on instinct or maybe on an algae high apparently yeah in this situation so yeah it that's pretty scary i thought it was it was kind of funny the way that the guy chucked it back into the sea oh i know what a macho dude like yeah he just picked it up and <laughs> chucked it back in the sea it was awesome yeah it kind of goes spinning thank goodness they were there you know like yeah i i i mean i don't think the seal would have killed her but she definitely would have had more bites and you never know i mean if she was being attacked and couldn't function and then inhaled a bunch of water and got caught in a riptide or or went down in the waves you know she could have drowned as a result that's true. Or, or you know, the seal could have gone for her throat. You know, that's a possibility, true. too. Yep. What a strange way to go. That's the last thing I would think of as a stinking seal. Especially Man. a pup, you know? You just want to cradle them. You just want to hold them. Yeah, I know. I'm. Yeah, they're called pups. They're cute. I don't know. Yeah, so you're, you're afraid of dark water? Of deep water a little bit? Oh, both. Equally, if not. Dark know. and deep. deep yeah. <laughs> the combination of the two being just about the worst. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not a fan of it. I can do it typically, but there is something unnerving about just what may be down underneath swimming around, even if it's not going to hurt you or something. Just the fact that something's under there, you can't see brushing up against you is not great. Another thing I was thinking about with the seal attack that just could, you know, make it a lot more deadly or scary to the individual being attacked is I don't know about the algae bloom or whatever was going on in the seal itself, but you could also be dealing with some kind of infection like a rabid seal, you know, like a rabid raccoon of the sea. (laughs) And that can bring a whole, a whole slew of problems in itself. Anytime you get bit by an animal. I almost wonder if the guy that did the seal chucking should have kept the seal, you know, so they could evaluate it or something. You want to do that if you get bit by a rattlesnake 
or if there's a raccoon that bites somebody that seems to be rabid, a lot of times they'll uh, somehow either trap it or kill it and then hang on to it so they can test the, the animal itself to see kind of what it might have going on. It sounds like a, a potential zombie seal. It could you know, be. A, you know, it I, could be. I mean, but what if that was the case, though? Like, literally every creature in the sea, in the water, let's just say water, even fresh water, like, had some sort of zombie-like virus where if you got bit, you know, it would be like rabies or something to that effect. I think I our, mean, our, our, it wouldn't be that big of a problem for most people. Because uh, the fish are obviously going to just stay in there. I mean, unless it's like human zombies via the media and games. I guess that would be media as well. Uh, where they can survive in situations. You know, they no longer need to breathe if you're a human zombie. So fish, in theory, wouldn't have to be in water anymore. So they might be just flopping all over the place trying to get a trying to get a bite. That sounds like it could be a movie. Uh, like I don't Sharknado. Know if you've seen, yeah, there's Sharknado. There's that new one coming out, the Cocaine Bear or whatever. Oh yeah, which is based on a true story, but it also seems to me like it's going to be very in that embellished. Genre. Yeah, I think that's the situation we'd be looking at, Sharknado esque. This reminds me, Shelby showed me. It, she stopped watching it because of how crazy it was. I think National Geographic was the one putting it out. It's on Disney Plus. Literally, the show is about sharks eventually evolving enough to actually attack people on land. Like, to actually, like, function, breathe, you know, out of water and actually, like, maneuver onto land and attack people. That's what the documentary was about. That's hilarious. I'd like to see that. I couldn't believe it. It's so... It's so cheesed up. I'll play a little soundbite here if, if I can find uh, a piece on it. Just like whales were once land animals that returned to the ocean, sharks may evolve one day to come onto land. I, I think a lot of people really feed into the fear of sharks and look at it as an opportunity to make something, you know, that will just get views um, because it, it feeds into our fears as humans, but it's, it's really, you know, shark attacks are just really over, over the top blown out of proportion, um, and has become more of a fear than it really should be. You know, Jaws is mostly responsible for that, but, you know, but seal attacks on the other hand, those are legit. It's true. I, yeah, I think it just stems from the deep fear of humans being attacked by something you can't see. Yeah, the unknown. And sharks, unlike wolves or bears or lions, um, you you really don't see them coming. Yep. You know, and, and you can't swim away. I mean, you could try, I guess, and if the shark you're in their... isn't interested. Yeah, you're in their world. Exactly. You know, a, a shark isn't going to do, <laughs> do anything on land. You know, this is our, you know. Not yet. Not yet, anyways, you know, but it's nothing you have to worry about, obviously. But yeah, in the water, like, yeah, it's their domain. So it's just being respectful of of that. All right, guys, that's going to do it for episode two of the Unnerved Banter. Hopefully we didn't bore you too much. <laughs>
talking about the Somerton man. I know uh, while I was editing it, I, I feel like we were kind of just dragging it on. So I do apologize about that. Again, with time, hopefully we'll get better with this. Uh, we're still a bit rusty. But before you go, I want to let you guys know that it would be super helpful if you guys gave us some feedback. Um, if you want to leave us a voicemail, that would be super awesome. Uh, if you go in the show notes, there's going to be a link there and it will say speakpipe.com forward slash unnerved podcast. And you guys can record a little message for us. Uh, let us know what you think of the podcast. Let us know if you have any topics you want us to talk about. Or if you just want to stop by and say hi, we'd love to listen and perhaps even play it on the next episode of the Unnerved Banter. Also, if you guys want to see some images uh, that have to do with these episodes, whether it's the story format or the discussion format, Instagram is the perfect place to do that. Every time I post an episode, there's also going to be a post on Instagram with photos that have to do with the episode. For example, the Hammer Killer uh, episode, I posted photos that um, I think really kind of give you a, a visual of the encounter that Julie had with the guy in her backyard. It's an actual house listing of the backyard and of the house and the window where she was sitting and everything. So that's just an example. I know audio is great, but sometimes visually uh, seeing those photos is helpful. So yeah, Instagram is just uh, the Unnerved Podcast. Uh, But yeah, please rate and subscribe. Tell other people about the podcast. That really helps us out. And as always, thank you guys for listening. And we will see you next week. Take care. Thank you.